welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace a need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 68 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me for this very special bonus episode. So it is March 21st that I'm recording this. So much has changed in everybody's life over definitely the past month, depending where you live, maybe a little bit longer, but absolutely over the past couple of weeks. And there is so much to manage with COVID and our thoughts and what impact this is having on our lives, whether we actually are dealing with it directly or just worried about it or thinking about what the potential impacts might be. And that's why I've decided to do a series of bonus episodes talking directly around COVID. Now, in these interviews and these conversations, we're not always talking directly about weight and eating. But I honestly think overall, if you want to manage your weight and your eating over the long term, you have to take care of yourself at a very core level of your person. And so with COVID and all the changes and all the fears that it can create in us, that can drive a lot of different uh behavior or going back to old habits, all that sort of stuff. And so by addressing the core questions like today's episode is how do we deal with the fear that this COVID pandemic is creating? When we deal with those core episodes, ultimately, that's going to put you in a better position to deal with your weight or stay in control of your eating if that's what you're working on. And if that's not what you're working on, I think dealing with these core issues is going to make it so that you can just get through this pandemic and this unique time in our life more intact and feeling more in control with a little bit uh, better of an experience. So for today's episode, I've invited uh, Dr. Sunny Smith and Dr. Crystal Sodatis. Both of these women are both physicians, but also certified life coaches who have been working with other physicians who are coping with the COVID crisis. And so I thought it would be really helpful for us to have a roundtable discussion about what our different approaches are for helping people deal with the fear that all this brings up. All right, without further ado, let's get to the interview. All right, welcome to the show, Sunny and Crystal. How are you guys doing today? Hi, doing great. Uh, so l- let's start by just having you guys um, introduce yourself so that people can kind of hear the differences in our voices so they can pick up who's talking. So Crystal, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, so hi, I'm Crystal. Um, I am a pediatrician. I am in non-clinical practice. I work for a health insurance company um, where I manage a team of about eight medical directors. We review um, 
post-service claims and any appeals that come from that claim. I am also a life and weight coach. I was certified in April 2018, and I coach young adults and adolescents who are gifted, but yet they find themselves struggling professionally, personally, or academically. I also live in Chicago, um, and I am currently about two hours away from a governor-issued lockdown, meaning we cannot leave our house except for um, unless we are an essential worker or we are leaving for an es essential item such as food or our own health care. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. Yep. Yeah. And Sunny, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Sunny Smith. I'm a family physician. I live in San Diego, California. I um, am also a certified coach and I run a Facebook group, a podcast, um, coaching and retreats under the name Empowering Women Physicians. Um, I too am on lockdown. We went, I live in California and our whole state went on lockdown on Thursday night while I was running a group call coaching physicians around COVID and their personal and professional concerns around COVID. And my husband had the idea that for the first time, he maybe should knock on the door and interrupt one of my coaching calls to say like, hey, we're on lockdown. This is a big deal. And so we're a couple days ahead of Crystal in the curve. We have over 100 cases in San Diego. We have more than a dozen in my institution. And so this is just every day, new facts and new ways to adapt to the news that's coming out. Yeah. And I'm, because I'm in rural Northern Canada, we're a bit behind your guys curve even further. So we're on uh, social distancing and like voluntary isolation, basically saying isolate yourself unless you have to go out, but no formal rules or um, laws have been put in place, though most things are closed. Like, you know, a lot of stores are closed, any sort of public facility that is not essential is closed. Um, so it'll be interesting just as we talk through our different levels of kind of experience with this, because we'll, we'll have different, um, and I'm sure the people listening, there's going to be a huge range of experience with COVID and what it's been like for them personally with where they're actually living, depending on where they are. Mm -hmm. So the, what we're going to talk about on this episode is talking about the fear and the, for a, particularly I'd say as physicians where we are essential and we have to by nature of our job deal with this disease and with take care of people who have this disease I think for a lot of physicians that's generating a huge amount of fear and anxiety and I think this is a really important topic to talk around about how do we walk this path that we're on as a world right now without, you know, spending the entire time feeling completely petrified. Right. Um, so, Sunny, you had mentioned, like, you've been doing a lot of group calls and stuff. What are the th common themes that are coming up for the physicians that you're coaching in those calls? That is a great question. I think there's, we remind ourselves of the facts, right? At the beginning of kind of every call, the new facts of the new day. So I think it's very wise for us to think, okay, so what's, what's going down today? Okay. So first it was, there's a pandemic that was last Wednesday when the world health organization said that. And then two days later, later, the U S said that there's a national emergency and 
Then there's the fact of the shortage of PPE. I mean, it's just a fact, kind of, there's no arguing with that fact that there is a shortage of PPE and that we're in a pandemic, right? And that we're doctors. So we kind of start with that. And then given that that is true for all of us, there's a whole bunch of thoughts and feelings that come up depending on where you work or what your perception is of your family situation, what your perception of your risk is. And it's interesting to see all the different thoughts and feelings that are available given that, right? Because I'm coaching people in private practice. I'm coaching people who are employed. I'm coaching people who are the decision makers and the leaders of big hospital systems. And so depending on where you are and where you sit, your perception of those same facts can be very, very different. And so I was coaching someone earlier today where I said, for instance, like, you know, we're talking to each other on Zoom. And so if I'm looking down at something, it's a six. And to you, it's a nine. And we're both right, right? Because from where we sit, it's true. And so I think it's, if you're the leader of the organization, if you're the employee of the organization, I think you're convinced that you're right and that it's a fact. And I think it's interesting to think, is the way you're looking at it serving you? And is there a way that you can look at it that might not be serving you? Because there's a lot of fear of things that we don't control. And then there are the things that we do control. And so we, as humans, of course, it's a normal human reaction to have fear when there's a pandemic. So like, allow that, like, it's okay to feel fear. And we don't, that's one of those things though, this is an Elizabeth Gilbert quote, right? From Big Magic that you don't let fear drive. Fear can be there. It just needs to be in the back seat, mm -hmm. right? So it can be there, we can allow it. And then where can we decide that we have control because like as Byron Katie says, there's your business, there's other people's business, and then there's the universe's business or God's business, right? And so the pandemic is kind of like, that's out of our control, but there are some spaces where we have control. So for instance, the person that I would just hung up with right before I talked to you, you know, she focused on, I have surgical masks and I use those in these situations. I have N95s, I use those in these situations. I have a space in my basement that I've prepared for myself for when I inevitably come up positive. I would say a week or so ago, I was coaching women physicians on the fear that they might get it and sort of the prevention. And now because I'm coaching women physicians who have it, that it's kind of become a different space at which we begin coaching because they're starting to realize it's in their neighborhood, it's in their clinic, it's in their hospital, and it's not necessarily anymore holding on to the idea that they cannot get it, but how do we prepare for when it comes to our town and when we do get it? Mm -hmm. and Crystal, what's your experience been uh, with what you're personally or what you're seeing people go through? I think that um, what I have seen and what has come up mostly with the people um, that I have been talking to and coaching with is uncertainty. Again, it's around fear, but um, they don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen to, you know, I'm the primary breadwinner. Um, what's going to happen if my, you know, partner, spouse, husband, he goes out to the public um, and has to come in every day. What happens if, what happens if, and so, having people focus on, okay, what are the certainties? 
What are the things that you know, again, what are the facts that you know that you can hold on to um, and focus on? You know, I agree with Sunny that fear is a human emotion and we have to allow it. Um, and there is, for me, a lot of freedom and calm around allowing and accepting the fear and just knowing, reflecting back and saying to myself, what is the thought that I'm having right now that is generating this fear and examining it without judgment, without trying to change it and just say, this is a thought. It's a thought. Maybe I want to change it. Maybe I don't right now, but it's just, it's generating fear and I'm going to allow it right now because when I try and resist it by either, you know, buffering around it, eating, drinking, shopping, scrolling, whatever your buffer of choice is, it never, it never turns out well. And honestly, the, the most calming thing for me is to just allow it. And if tears come with that, let them flow, let them come. You know, as doctors, we sometimes have to really, you know, keep our emotions in check when we're delivering bad news and we want to just sit there and cry with our patients for a long time, at least when I, when I trained, that wasn't okay. I think that's changing now. And I think doctors are, you know, being encouraged more to show their emotions with their patients. But when I changed, you never cried in front of your patients. You always wanted to be that pillar of strength. And so for us, allowing those emotions to flow, even when we're alone, is so freeing. And I think it's something really difficult for, for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point, Crystal, and that it's very easy when we're in these situations to feel that we shouldn't be afraid. Like right. we should just change things or accept it and, and let go of that fear. But the reality, like you pointed out, is when you try to run away from that emotion, it often actually leads to more. Like if you start to be frustrated because you're afraid, it's going to lead to more negative experience uh, in this process. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think in reflecting on what Crystal was saying about the buffering, um, I would say two calls ago for me today, it was our group call. Somebody said so wisely, so much insight where if you're already familiar with and using these coaching words, mechanisms, phrases, she said, you know, all this buffering that usually makes me feel better eating, drinking, buying things. She's like, that usually works. Like I won't wear, I do it, but it works. And she's like, now it doesn't even work. There's like nothing I can do to feel better. I eat and I'm still distressed and disturbed and discombobulated. And then I eat more and then I'm just like really full and still really discombobulated and scared and fearful. And so it's like that idea that we can make the fear go away by doing something is, is kind of not working for us in this space. And so what do we do with that? There's the allowing, the accepting, having it be there. Know that with these you know, stages of grief, that it's normal to go through different phases with time and that sometimes it takes time. And so I would say in recognizing fear is kind of like a necessary human emotion, right? It's what keeps us safe in the world. And so courage, as Brene Brown would say, she says courage is being scared and doing it anyway. And so it's okay to be scared, just like allow the scared. Because if you try to think about a time 
where you were courageous in your life. If, if you ask military people, where was there somewhere there was courage? Or if you ask us as physicians, where did we have courage? If you ask us as moms, where did we have courage? Where did you grow? Where did you overcome? It's always something where there was a struggle, but you kept showing up and you figured a way through. And so it's okay to be scared. It's okay to have fear. It's not okay to be overwhelmed with anxiety and panic. And we do have to be aware because one of our physician coaches actually told us that she's finding with her friends and colleagues in Italy that some of the physicians are really struggling with their mental health and that they are having suicidal ideation and they are having suicides in this COVID pandemic because people do feel hopeless and helpless. And again, the things we usually use aren't really working for us. So I think there is the point at which we need to recognize distress is a significant clinical distress, but then there's like the subclinical, what a lot of us are feeling, which is just fear. And that's okay because we can do hard things. That's like literally what we train for. We've trained our whole life to be prepared to do these kinds of things. And so if we can surround ourselves with people who have that belief that, that we can make a difference. We can do something. Our voices matter. Let's speak. Rise up. You know, like it's, I'm surrounded by physicians and in particularly women physicians that I know that are like, I'm going to rise up. I'm going to use my voice. I'm going on national television. I'm going to write my Congress people. Like they're using that fear that is normal to speak out and fight for their rights. So much so that like the New York Times, you know, front cover now is like doctors speak out you know, this is our time to speak. And I'll also say that there's a New England Journal opinion article this week that's like, there was pre and post 9-11, right, for travel. We used to travel this certain way, now we travel this way. And they think, isn't it interesting how all this innovation we've been begging for in medicine, like telemedicine and remote visits and, you know, who cares about billing? Let's serve our patients where the clinical need is like, we are acting rapidly. Like, mm -hmm. and so there, this New England Journal author was saying, I don't know that we'll ever go back. I don't know that we'll ever see it the same. And this time where physician voices mattered, and if we've ever wanted to implement some kind of efficiency change, like now is the time. People are listening. So we use our fear and we use this discomfort that we're feeling to kind of allow it to be there, reframe and realize this is when you do hard things. This is when you have courage. This is when you speak up. This is when your voice matters. Because we had as physicians this learned helplessness with burnout. Nobody's listening. I keep telling them about the EHR. My inbox is drowning. And recently on a JAMA podcast, the director of primary care in Washington, they said, what do you learn? Like, what can you tell our listeners about having to deal with this in your city and in your state? And the first thing he said is the inboxes of the doctors were 10 times what they were. And we used to tell our doctors, they just had to do all their inboxes on their own time, right? We don't allot time for that. And because of COVID, we have to remake all our systems because you can't ask a doctor to answer these things in between. So it's so interesting that like you bring on the director of primary care during COVID and you think he's going to tell you something about COVID or like swabs or something clinical, ARDS, but no, it's like we realized that we can't have physicians all manning their own inboxes in, in the cracks. Like, so I just think it's very interesting to think 
not only clinically how we were made for this and we're prepared for this and we know what to do and we know how to speak, we know how to use our voice, we know to tell our neighbors to stay home, we know we shouldn't go to church on Sunday, but also it provides these opportunities because your biggest challenges are your big, biggest opportunities. Mm -hmm. I've been really impressed with very similar in how quickly, like on a dime, medicine has shifted, like oh. within the span for us of three days, basically, we went from not doing any virtual visits because it wasn't really supported to the majority of our clinic visits are virtual. And I'm doing my obesity medicine groups virtually, um, which again, wasn't supported previously. Yeah. So it wasn't a choice. Whereas yeah. now it is which is I'm, I'm hoping that these things, these good things that come out of this, that they remain. Cause yes. I really agree with you that it's been a real driver for innovation mm -hmm. in a lot of different areas. And I think there are some good stuff that will hopefully continue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One thing. Yeah. Sorry. I, I just want to clarify. I just want to clarify one thing though, is that remember for people, especially for, um, people who, you know, understand the, you know, thought model that we, that we follow, which is where, you know, your, the circumstance drives your thought, which creates a, a feeling, which drives your action and ultimately your results. The actions that Sunny was talking about mm -hmm. are not really driven by fear. Mm -hmm. Fear creates, maybe creates acceptance, mm -hmm. but it also mm -hmm. might create acting in panic you know, going out um, and, you know, either buffering or hoarding or um, calling everyone, you know, judgment, there's lots of different actions that the fear can generate. All of those actions that Sunny talked about, mm -hmm. there were different feelings that brought it out. It may have been motivation. Mm -hmm. It may have been, you know, a feeling of empowerment or feeling powerful. So for any of your listeners, if you want to be the champion and be the driver of those things in your own community, examine what feeling do you need to generate? What can you do? That fear can certainly turn into another feeling, but you need a different thought um, to create those feelings. Yeah, 100%. And so my, my thought and example was the, you know, courage is kind of what can drive you forward. And you can say which ones that you think that you found that people um, have, have found most useful to move themselves forward, because you're totally right. Courage is the one that allows the fear to be in the backseat for me or for many, but courage drives you forward. But I think people have, they like when they feel prepared. They like when they feel yeah. confident. They like when they feel empowered. Um, and so can you think some of the things that you've been talking with people, like what they want to feel that is helping um, them drive forward in yeah. these moments? Well, a lot of them want to feel calm. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. Prepared mm -hmm. is also a good one. Mm -hmm. uh, powerful, mm -hmm. influential, mm -hmm. influential. Um, mm -hmm. and respected and yeah. heard. Mm -hmm. Heard, you know, you can debate whether or not heard is a feeling. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, they want to feel heard. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. I absolutely. And respected. These are the words. We should, like, come up with a set of words that we can hand out. That's like, these right. are the ones we have found by talking to many, many, many women physicians during COVID about their personal and professional obligations, that these are feelings that when people are looking for thoughts that drive them, 
this is how they're able to end the call after an hour kind of moving forward, feeling better. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to talk about like thoughts that can empower people and get people there. But there's one thing I just wanted to circle back on. So Crystal, when you were talking about allowing the sadness, allowing the fear, I think we should specifically address for some people that 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 idea can be new and can Mm. be actually scary because it can feel like if you sit in the fear and if you let it be there, a lot of people feel that it will spiral and it will consume them and, you know, that they'll never get out of it. So can we talk just a little bit about what that experience actually is like for people who haven't actually tried sitting with a negative emotion before? Yeah. 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 And so, um, and this is a great time to start to experiment with and start to practice that because the, the feelings do come, you know, fast and furious all day long. And at least for me, they're much more intense. Um, and these scary feelings are, you know, can be very, very intense at times. Different people, um, will allow their emotions in different ways. I can, you know, speak to how I allow my emotions, which is, um, you know, usually I need to, you know, I think about where that emotion sits in my body, what, what sensations in my body it it generates, whether it's a vibration or more of a heaviness or a tingling sometimes. And I really, really focus on that sensation and I keep labeling it and I label it and I allow it. And usually it passes and most feelings do pass. Um, Some people would say 90 seconds. Some people say 60 seconds. It all varies. You know, I've never timed how long I feel something before it passes, but it does. And it might come back. It might come back stronger. It might come back less. But each time that I'm able to just label it and sit with it and really almost almost lose myself in it you know it's not not drowning sort of like I'm not really drowning it's more like if you've ever done an immersion tank right where you're just allowing it um, and it's all encompassing but when you come out the other side it's such a feeling of peace it's almost like um, I use the, I use an analogy too for any of your your listeners out there who have nursed a baby. So when I was in clinical practice, I'm going to divert for one second, um, but bear with me. So when I was in clinical practice, my focus was on um, breastfeeding and lactation. And uh, we all know that, you know, one of the hormones that um, is essential for breastfeeding is oxytocin. Um, And oxytocin is our happy hormone. It's our love hormone. It's our feel good hormone. But like many of us um, have noticed is that after oxytocin is released, you feel very tired and you feel a sensation of sleep. Um, and so many people notice that when they let down, when they were nursing, oxytocin is released and you feel very sleepy. But at the end of that, when oxytocin is done, you feel refreshed and you wake up and you're like, wow, I just feel like I took the longest nap. I feel so much better. To me, allowing my emotions is the same. When I sit with my emotions and I allow it and I allow that wave to pass through me, when it's done, I feel great. Like, wow. That's a a really good description of that. Because I think when you haven't done that work, 
you picture that the wave will never end. Right. But really it just takes like one or two times to recognize that actually what makes that wave never end is us avoiding it. Exactly. So trying to shove the emotion away and not experience it builds it and makes it bigger and makes it last. But like what you said, if you sit with it, it just passes through. I do, my approach is, it's almost like kind of, you know, when you're in yoga and you're doing a difficult pose and you just breathe into it. Yeah. That's kind of what I picture in my head is like, I just, okay, here's sadness, here's anxiety. And I'm just going to breathe into it and just breathe into it till it settles down and goes just like, uh, you know, that discomfort when you're in a yoga pose. What do you do, Sunny? Um, I mean, I would say, for instance, through this time, I felt like my thoughts were in this pretty peaceful place. And I'll describe when I was like a little bit disturbed recently, but like my thoughts have been surprisingly calm because I really sincerely do believe these coaching techniques help me in real life. And in particular, I have found them the most helpful at the most distressing times in my life. And including in the past month, I've had some very distressing news. And even, you know, years ago, like there was some stuff that I was working through before I became a coach, where I went to psychiatry, and I went to counseling and all these things and medications and meetings, like didn't really get me to the place where I wanted to be until I found the coaching tools. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like when I stop arguing with reality, that has been one of the most useful things for me. So like there have been some things that I would have labeled tragedies or bad things happening. And I kept wishing they wouldn't have been happening or hadn't happened. But when I could really get to this is happening, this has happened and accepting that these things have happened, then I can start to wrap my mind around what's still good or what is next And I find myself doing that with this pandemic. It's like, I can't argue with the fact that there's a pandemic, but what I can do is say, okay, given that there's a pandemic, where is my control and what is good? And so like my brother was in the hospital and he was being coded and I was like, my tears came to my eyes and I'm standing next to my dad. And I'm like, literally in that moment, it's clearly an exact moment of crisis. And I'm like, but I need to be in the now because now he's still here and I'm still here and my dad's still here. So I would remind myself and like the tears want to come, the tears, I'm like, but what is good as I'm still here. And so using these things in real life and practicing with them, like when my child was having trouble breathing lately, recently, I was like, what is good as he's still breathing? What is good as I'm in a city with a big hospital? What is good as we have pediatricians here? And so I'm, I'm using these skills in the pandemic, which is like, what is good? I really truly believe what is good is that we're on lockdown. We are on lockdown. Like we're, our government is doing what they need to do. And people can argue whether they should have done it earlier, but that's arguing with reality. And so we start to lose and we start to suffer. So if we are like, this is what's going on now in my state, in my neighborhood, at my institution, we are on lockdown. Everyone's doing what they need to do. We are socially isolating. And that brings me feelings of calm and peace. And it allows me to coach woman physician after woman physician, just distress, distress, distress. And I'm like, but what's good? Because there still is good, right? And it's like the Mr. Rogers thing about finding the helpers. I mean, we are the helpers right now. 
And so what, what happened, like I was saying, there was a moment where I felt kind of overwhelmed because even when you have that in your life, it's not like you ever stop being human or you ever stop having a human brain, right? So I was um, on a coaching call and the person hadn't come on yet, but I was on Zoom and awaiting her. And I got the news that one of our coaches had a fever and thought that she had been told that she had COVID, but her test wasn't positive yet. And I just started crying. I was sitting on Zoom waiting for my client and I just started crying. And I was like, this is for real. I mean, there's only like 20 of us in this program that are coaching and one of us has gone down. Like, this is getting real. This is like, and then at, since that day, that was two days ago, since that day, my former students who are now attendings have it. My other clients, someone I coached last night has it and was working with a fever in the hospital because there was no one yet to cover her. So she had to go home. Like, so that moment just re represented for me that switch in time where like, I'm hoping people don't get it. I hope we all go on lockdown. We're all going to go on lockdown. We're going to be fine, right? We're going to prevent this. We're going to flatten the curve to holy crap. Here comes the curve. Like we're going, we're going down. And so I just allowed it and I cried and I mourned and I'm like, well, this is the experience of being a physician who coaches other physicians during a pandemic. This is it this is what it's like. This is this, I'm human too. And then eventually move on and remind myself of the tools. So it's not that you don't feel the things, it's that I feel like there, it's like a sine wave, right? It peaks and it comes down and it peaks and it comes down. And what happens is it sort of like dampens with time and it doesn't, it doesn't get as big and it doesn't go on so long. Does that make sense? It's like, you still have it, it's just not as overwhelming because you know you have the tools to deal with it. That makes and sense. I think it's and I think it's really important to know that the feelings do come back. Mm -hmm. Just because you rode the wave and now you're not feeling the same way, you're having a different thought. Maybe you're feeling, you know, you're thinking, "Wow, I did so well at that." Whatever the thought is, something might come up that brings it back. I mean, I had an experience just today, not even around COVID. It was around something else that I had a lot of shame around. And something in the periphery happened. It brought it all back. I felt that same shame. Not to this, I was able to identify, huh, there's that shame. It's not as acute as it was before, but there it is. Okay. I think it, what brought that up, I'm going to ride this through, didn't last as long wasn't as acute. And when you learn that skill, and this is a great time to learn the skill to feel and accept your emotions. When you learn that skill, it's invaluable. Mm -hmm. It's not just around COVID, not just around pandemics, not just around tragedies. Having that lifelong skill of feeling and allowing your emotions will always serve you will always be good for you. It's something you can, oh, it's like, I mean, like, to me, I think of it as like, it's like learning to intubate a 700 gram baby. I can, I can bring it. I know it because I've, after, <laughs> before, like, I can bring that skill back if I need to. Mm -hmm. And so that's very, very gratifying and freeing for me. Mm -hmm. I think I, this term, like I even see my husband using with me all the time now, which is like, when he's doing something that bothers me or whatever, he looks at me, he's like, human. I'm a human. 
And so it's like the yeah. more, cause now when you hang around people who have this language, like my friends, my colleagues, my colleagues and my coach friends, and now, you know, my spouse, they just recognize the language and they're like, human, you're such, I mean, the humans doing all the human things, including all these emotions and including, including crying, including getting angry, including like, it's all just part of the human experience. And the more we normalize that and just whatever it is we're thinking and feeling, this is all part of the human experience. And as you said, the skill set of learning to manage your emotions basically is everything. Right. Yeah. And not thinking because what we do, all these dysfunctional things that we do are to avoid feelings. And so if you know, you can feel any feeling, you can do anything, which is empowering and amazing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree with you guys that that's the number one skill. And I think that's often the hardest skill for people to actually do, not that the actual skill is hard, but I think in our minds, we make it feel hard, right? Like, like we talked about earlier, there's that concept of these emotions we've spent so long avoiding and not experiencing have the power to hurt us or the power to kind of engulf us if we're not careful. And so learning that skill, you have to overcome that fear that that could happen. So that thing you can step in and actually just be present with those emotions and experience them. Yeah, I think I note when you say that, for instance, of course, everything we say is a thought basically, right? And so as a coach, whenever I listen to anyone talk or see anyone post on Facebook, because there's a lot of drama around Facebook right now in people's minds, right? But it's just like, look at all these thoughts. And so when you were saying, you know, people are afraid they're going to be engulfed by their emotion or taken over by fear, I'm like, that is a thought. Why would you choose to believe that? If that's just a thought, why wouldn't I choose to believe something else that's more useful for me? Like if I'm afraid I'm going to get spin out in anxiety and get overwhelmed, that's a thought. And all thoughts are optional, or at least we can choose to believe that we might be able to influence them a tiny bit, right? So like, why wouldn't we choose if we allow ourselves to visit our feelings that we're going to learn to bring ourselves out of them? If we allow ourselves in them, we can also learn to bring ourselves out of them and that it's not as scary as we think it's going to be, right? And that there's functional things I can do to help control my emotions. Like I can go for a walk. I find that really does help me. I go outside, I go for a walk. One time I even went and sat on the corner just down the block from my, from my house. I was so overwhelmed with emotion. And my husband came out with walking the dog a little later. He's like, you okay? Like what you doing there? I'm like, I just needed some time by myself sitting on the corner, <laughs> right? Like you just allow, you don't choose the thought you're going to be overcome with emotion, recognize it as a thought and then be like, it's okay. This is the time I'm going to finally learn. This is my opportunity to learn this. This emotion is here to teach me something. So what can I learn in this moment? And then go for your walk or whatever your coping mechanism is, journaling or whatever. Mm -hmm. We mentioned uh, uh, just kind of thoughts that can generate different emotions. So we've talked about like, how do you deal with and normalize the, the fear and the other negative emotions when they're there? But what thoughts have you guys found to be helpful for people in this to shift more to that courage or to that kind of commitment or emotions that let them then move more forward instead of kind of getting stuck in that anxiety and fear. 
I think a lot of it is crystal and I think a lot of it depends on people's individual, you know, what, what their individual circumstance is. Um, you know, generally things like I'm prepared for this things like I can handle, you know, I, 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 I find it very, um, very freeing to think like I can handle any emotion. Um, I can't things like, um, you know, we've survived things. We've survived worse. That's not a great one, but um, I'm just trying to think what else, Sonny, what are some of the other ones that have come up that people are really, you know, people are really want to know that they prepared, you know, mm -hmm. I'm prepared for this. Um, and I think that I just want to circle back on one thing too, around this, having coronavirus being diagnosed with coronavirus i think for a lot of time for a long time what drove my fear was this thought i don't want to get it because there was this in, there was this underlying sense of judgment that if you got it it was bad right um but honestly a positive diagnosis of coronavirus is just another circumstance. It's just another C. And we get to decide what we think about that. You can think I have a positive diagnosis. And 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 I'm gonna and, and I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna take care of it. I'm gonna take care of myself. I'm gonna take steps that I need to to you know prevent me sp spreading this infection to other people. Or you can choose to have thoughts of, of, you know, that generate a sense of panic or fear. You get to decide what that positive test means for you. Yeah, so I, along those lines, you know, I know some people personally um, who are waiting for their test results. And what is so interesting, so first of all, they kind of presumed that they had COVID, right? because if you're sick during this time, you kind of make that assumption, but we're waiting for objective evidence to say that it is. And so the people that I know, multiple people that I know, they're all women physicians waiting for their test results are all saying, I hope it was COVID, which at first, again, the first time I heard this word was a few days ago was, I hope I have COVID. Right. because what it means for us now, like our minds have switched. It was, I hope I don't have it. I hope I don't have it too. I hope this is it. I hope I had it. I hope I'm getting to the other side because then they have this thought, then I'll be immune and then I'll be okay. And then I can go back to serve. Right. And right. I'll be fine. I'll be one of the ones that can go back to serve. And so people's thoughts so interestingly have been switching to if I get it or when I get it, I hope and believe that it will be mild and I will go back to work and I will be of unique service to people. Like how right. weird is that? The people have gone from, I hope I don't get it to, I hope this is it. And then I hope I get over it quick so that I can get back to work. It's so selfless. And so, because it could be influenza and it could be COVID or it could be something else. You know, there's other coronaviruses, 30% of colds are coronaviruses, just other coronaviruses, not this one, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's just so interesting, as you say, the fact is you test positive 
And I'm sure there are a lot of people, right, that will freak out if they test positive. And my physician friends all so far who think that they're going, their test might be positive are all saying, I hope it's COVID. Like, whoa, I hope it's COVID. Are you kidding me? Don't you wish it was influenza or just some other virus? But no, they really like, again, universally in my small end of people that I know who are in this situation right now are hoping that's what it was. So interesting. It's interesting. So it, means, it just means it's not the circumstance that makes them feel that way. It's how they choose to perceive it. Totally. That's and that's interesting because that's like a thought of kind of, you know, if you face the worst and if you're present in it and you know you're handling it right now, mm-hmm. then it's almost a relief because that looming thing mm-hmm. that we have so much fear about what it right. will be and what it could do, if you know you've actually already been there, you don't have to hold on to that fear anymore. It's the fear of like everyone, like the worst that can happen. What's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is I get coronavirus. Really? Is that really the worst that can happen? What if you're living in that? Okay, now you have coronavirus. That's your circumstance. What do you, the worst has happened. Do you feel now free? That's what a lot of people are, are, are saying at this point. It's like, I have a thought now. It's like, okay, I'm going to survive this. Yeah, it's so, it's so true because it's so interesting. All of us have this idea, what if we get intubated and what if we die and what if there's not enough ventilators? Like these are these default catastrophizing, you know, CBT type labeled things. Like we're all thinking, oh, we're all going to be on ventilators and die. It's going to be terrible. But the only humans I know who have it aren't even worried they're going to go on a ventilator. Right. They're like, I'm going to get better. It's not actually horrific. I'm actually breathing. And only through Facebook do I know people who are inpatient, but they're like, I'm not on oxygen yet. You know, I, I have some things in my lungs on CAT scan. I'm still okay. And they're not like, and again, the people that I communicate with in real life, none of them are like, I'm going to end up on a vent and die. Like, it's so interesting that once you're actually faced with the worst situation, your brain starts problem solving because that's what we do particularly as physicians, we problem solve. And so we're like, well, look, I've got it. 80% chance I'm not even going in the hospital. Oh, wait, now I'm in the hospital. Well, chances are I'm still going to be fine and leave and not get intubated. But right, it's sort of that when it's this way off in the distance thing, you start thinking like it's going to be terrible as opposed to when you really have it, you know, you start problem solving. It's like when you're diagnosed with cancer or when you're diagnosed with anything, it's like, okay, well now I have it. So now what do I do? And you start being very practical. And I would bet the people who have those thoughts um, where they're problem solving, that positive diagnosis, whatever their thoughts and feelings are, have led to an action of problem solving. Mm-hmm. They are much better off than the people who, have a pro- po- who get a positive diagnosis and then start catastrophizing. I'm going to die. My family is going to be ruined. My children are going to be left, you know, motherless, fatherless, whatever. Mm-hmm. Their actions are not as positive. They're not driving to a good result. Mm-hmm. And so the thoughtful, like, as you said, in general, because most people listening to this will probably not end up with COVID, although I'll put a disclaimer there, which is like, you know, our governor says that up to near half of people, like up to maybe 40% of Californians might end up with it. So it's kind of presumptuous of me to say that most people listening won't, but we're just, you know, chances are most won't end up with a test that they know is positive. But so what can be most helpful to all people is the thoughts that I've heard from people are things like, I'm prepared. As you said, people want to feel prepared. I am prepared. So there's that whole toilet paper thing or food thing, but it's, you know, people just need enough 
you don't need to hoard, you know, but you feel like, okay, well, I have whatever supplies I need. And what do you have now? Bring yourself back to the now. Do you have enough food right now? Do you have a roof over your head right now? Is your whole family safe and healthy right now? And then you're prepared for, it can be a brief period of time. And then they feel like at their work, if they believe their work has a plan, they seem to have thoughts about that. Like, cause of course the plan is just a C it's a circumstance. You could think that plan is crap or you could think, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we have a plan. But what I'm finding is people like the thought we have a plan. I have a plan. And I find they also really like the thought, like my voice matters and right. I can speak up and I have a choice because these days it really is even a choice to leave your house. Right. We and don't usually see leaving our yeah. house as a choice. It's like a given. It's like, you're going to work. Right. And it's like, that's yeah. actually a choice too. Yeah. And I, I do want to, you know, and I, I do also want to address sort of this fear um, around social isolation and lockdown. We don't know what the next few weeks are going to bring and how many more cities or states are going to decide to, you know, put their, um, put their citizens on, we're not going to say lockdown. I think California said, you know, safer at home, mm -hmm. a safer at home program. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that for a long time, a long time in this thing, you know, several days was driving some of my fear. What if I'm stuck? In, and, and honestly, last week, there was fear of like, how in the world am I going to be by myself in my house with my three children while they're schooling, trying to get their schooling done. And that was driving a lot of my fear. So, but again, focusing on what do I know, what is certain, and focusing on that and getting through, sometimes getting through the day, sometimes getting through the hour on just focusing on what is certain. There is a lot of fear around how am I going to have enough food? How am I going to be able to be in my house? What is my relationship with my husband going to be like two weeks from now? when we've been together with these three kids for 14 days. <laughs> no joke. Um, but focusing on, you know, what do you know? What is certain? I think that's a really good, you know, good place to leave people with is just like, if you can just come back to that, what's true right now, that is such a calming place to be and to sit and to recenter yourself to no matter what happens in your life or in your particular you know environment or work if you can keep centering to that i think is really good do you guys have any last tips or thoughts that you want to share before we wrap up i've got one that um i continue to work on um throughout all of this and that is the question i ask myself who do I want to be three months from now? Hmm. Who do I want to be six months from now? And how do I want to reflect back on my actions over this time, over this crisis? And that really helps me trying to figure out where do I want to see myself when all of this is sort of like, what's that light? What's that guiding light for me? And that has really, really helped. And top of all of the other stuff. Yeah, that's powerful. I agree with Crystal that I have found with women physicians talking with them about like, you know, cause when they're thinking about what about their practice, what about their income? What about this? What about that? You know, if we can go to this, like, well, let's go to the end of the year and imagine we've kind of made it through. Imagine we've made it through because 
society is going to go on. Like no matter how many of us are wiped out, the world is going to go on. And if you're still here and you're looking back, what would that future self, how would she guide you? What would she tell you? And a lot of times people want to believe that they lived with integrity and they did the right thing and they knew what to do and they're glad they listened to their voice and it's going to be okay. It's so interesting how this future version of us, it's us, but it's somehow wiser than us. And we can often use it and look back and anybody who's lived through a disaster of some sort, whether it's 9-11 or any kind of disaster in your life, like what kind of wisdom is there? It's kind of this future or past version of yourself, right? But I agree with Crystal, if you can go to this future version of yourself and look back and say, what kind of feeling you want to cultivate there? Do you want to be proud of how you acted? Like if you're a leader, do you want to be proud? Or do you want to feel that I kept my family safe? Do you want to feel I did everything I could? Like what would be those words that your future self would tell you about right now? And a lot of times it has to do with, it's going to be okay. And, and the greatest thing about your future self, that person can be anyone who you want them to be. Mm-hmm. You get to decide who your future person is, who your future self is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's wise and she's you and just listen to her, visit her often, visit her during this time. And yeah. you can put that person in whatever future you want. For some people, it's like, imagine yourself in your rocking chair, telling your grandkids about the time, because this is a historic time. We are all going to remember this time. And so what is that the best place for you to reflect from? Or is it you can reflect as you know, it's turning new years or it's the holidays this year, or for some people, it depends on where they are with their life. Like, is it when your kids go to high school and you reflect back on what it was like when they had to stay home for those months, you know, what phase of it that makes it kind of like real for you and meaningful to you. And so when people do that, I find that it's very comforting for them. First of all, they're imagining they lived through it <laughs> and, and, and their kids and whoever they're recanting the story to lived through it and they can see some inner wisdom. So yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Can you guys, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. I think this is going to be really helpful to a lot of people. Can you just each let people know where they could find you if they want to seek you out? So um, my uh, website is uh, called Life Coaching for Gifted. You can email me at crystal at lifecoachingforgifted.com. Um, or check out with, with a K. Yeah, crystal with a K. K-R-Y-S-T-A-L. I know there's a bunch of different ways of spelling crystal. At uh, lifecoachingforgifted, all one word, dot com. Um, and, you know, u- usual places, uh, website, Facebook, Instagram, or just reach out. And Sunny? I am empowering women physicians. So that is a podcast. If they are listening to you, that means they're a podcast listener. So we can just put a link there and they can click and go over and listen to that too. Empoweringwomenphysicians.com. And then, well, that's the website is the .com. And um, there's a Facebook group with the same name. You can search for it, meaning you're, you're able to find it yourself. And then there will be questions that you have to answer to prove that you're a physician if you want to get in. And then lastly, if you're interested in talking about COVID, of course, there's, there's a thing you can click there that's empoweringwomenphysicians.com slash COVID. And we have groups that currently are, I'm running free groups for people who are interested in talking about that. Excellent. Well, thanks again, taking time out of your busy days at home. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for doing this. It's so important. Thanks for hosting.
and I totally need to get on my own podcast to talk more about this too. And it's so much easier and lovelier. Look at my thoughts about coming on yours as opposed to hosting my own. It's so much easier. That's interesting. Just, it's all just a thought. <laughs> thank you for having us. So important right now. Oh, thank yeah. you guys. All right. So some really good tips there. And I think really good information about how do we cope with the fear and other emotions that this uh, pandemic is creating. And the really basic answer, as you'll hear throughout that whole interview, is we cope by both A, accepting that some fear is going to be normal. You're unlikely to go through this without any feelings like that. And accepting them is an easier path. And then two, working on our thought processes about what we think in general in this a process so that we feel more empowered, we feel less out of control, we feel more engaged as we go through this process. Send me your thoughts uh, to info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. Any questions, I'm totally happy to get those there as well. If you are personally struggling and finding it really hard to feel in control during this time, then Reaching out for some form of coaching, I think, is one of the most effective ways to help you feel in control. Um, I see that regularly with the people I coach, that working on this mindset with the help of a professional coach really can make a huge difference in your experience of day-to-day -day life, particularly when day-to-day -day life isn't quite the norm. Uh, and for me, if you find that this pandemic is really impacting you in terms of your eating habits and you're worried about the impact it might have on your weight, um, then I can absolutely help with that. That is my wheelhouse and passion to help physicians figure out their emotional eating or binge eating and learn how to manage it in a very compassionate way. And it may feel that this is not the time to worry about what we eat, but honestly, it can be as you do the thought work around how you're feeling in the epidemic or sorry, pandemic, uh, you can just as easily be doing some thought work around how you're managing those feelings so it doesn't result in overeating, which may ultimately have you feeling more in control. Because when we talk about all this and we talk about kind of the layers, if you're feeling worried and then that leads you to eat more than you usually would or feel out of control with your eating, then that out of control feeling then layers on top of the whole experience and you kind of build layers. So sometimes taking action to feel in control of different settings, such as how well you're eating, can actually be really empowering when it's done right. If you're interested in getting some extra help, head over to my website, weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca, click on the work with me tab, and you can book a free introductory session with me to just chat about what's going on and what you're struggling with and how I could best help you get the results that you want. All right, we will talk to you later, guys. Have a fantastic week. And remember, you've got this.